we're in the middle of a, of a series on money. Now, that's probably not the best of <laughs> titles for a series, uh, especially with all the misconceptions that are out there, but we've chosen that title very intentionally. And I'm going to ask you if you would turn back to where we were in the book of Luke as we continue on, as we look ahead. Um, <clears throat> but if you've been around church very long, probably when the pastor starts talking about money, people start getting a tick. You know, they, they get the shakes because, oh, he must want something. Listen, take a breather. Calm down. Listen, it's not God wants something from us, but he wants something what? For us. That's exactly right. And we started out on the bottom line the first week when we started talking about money. And we said this, that God is the owner of what? Everything. Not a partial, not a piece. We like to say in church because it's very, very, uh, it's very kosher. Ten percent. You know, I'll just give God ten percent. We talk about tithe. We talk about a ten percent. But listen, God's the owner of everything. Everything. You know, here, God, I'll give you your ten percent, and then I'll take the ninety and do with it what I want. No, 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 no. Listen, God's the owner of everything. And the other truth that we learned in that bottom line was not only is He the owner, but He distributes resources as He sees fit. Now, we don't like that. Because as we look a lot, as we look across the landscape of life, we see others that may have just a little bit more than what we have. And you know what? We get pretty ticked about that, if we're honest. Because we're always trying to keep up with the, with the Joneses. We'll cry foul, or uh, we'll say it's not fair. And we, we've learned that it's not how much we've been given, but what are we doing with that which we have been given. Last week, we talked about the, that as God's children... Uh, he didn't design us to be a reservoir, but a river. God didn't, doesn't give us resources. He doesn't give us um, assets, talents, abilities, desires, just so that we can hold on to them, so that we can hoard them, uh, so that they can back up, so that we can build bigger barns. But God gives us those resources so that we can become a blessing and be a river for the sole purpose of extending the gospel, of making his name known. Um, but today we're going to go back to Luke chapter 16, verse 10, and we're going to sort of pick it up where we left off last week. Um, we talked that the Bible is basically divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you've never done this church thing, if you're not used to going to church, and the Bible's basically divided down into two parts, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the New Testament, the Old Testament. And the book of Luke is one of the first four books in the New Testament in that second half, and Luke was the writer. Luke was one of four of the first four books to be the Gospels, what we know as the Gospels, which told us, which tells us, which teaches us, gives us the details about Jesus' life. Luke was a doctor by trade. He was a very detailed person, and we said last week that he wrote this book for a man by the name of Theophilus to sort of give him an overview of what had taken place. Some people think that Luke was paid. He was basically commissioned to write this, and Luke, the book of Luke, is only the first half. The second part is the book of Acts, which talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection of Christ and what took place in the birth of the church, the early church, and also the missionary acts of the apostles. But we want to go back and we want to pick up here in the book of Luke, Luke uh, where we left off last week in verse 10, uh, or in chapter 10. And what I want to do is, is I want to, to give you a definition to remind you of something, because if God is the owner, what is our responsibility? We're stewards. I want to give you a definition. I think this is probably up on the board if Marty can find that. A steward is someone who manages someone else's property, finances, or other affairs or assets. It's the owner who decides what he will give, to whom he will give, and how much he will give. 
It's the person who receives it. They have the responsibility to manage the master's resources in such a way that pleases him. Because listen, Steve, just because you've got your name signed on a dotted line doesn't mean that it's yours. You're a steward of God's resources because he owns what? He owns it all. And the better and the faster and the sooner that we come to that understanding, that realization, and we, we, we come to, to learn that, the easier things begin to move. Anyway, let's go back to Luke uh, chapter 16 um, here in verse 10, and let's, uh, let's pick up where we left off last week. This is, what, this is what he says. If you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. It's pretty self-explanatory, don't you think? I mean, if you can't be wise with 50 cent, what do you think five dollars? What are you going to do with five dollars? If you can't be honest with a dollar, what do you think uh, ten dollars is going to do for you? It's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, but how many of us are looking for more? I mean, we're, we're looking for more, but we can't even be responsible with the little bit that we've got. Yet we want more. Doesn't really make sense. And look at what he goes on to say. In verse 11 and 12, if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? In verse 12, if you have not been faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? There was a study that was done of decamillionaires. Does anybody know what a decamillionaire? That's somebody that's got more money than probably most of us in this room. A decamillionaire is somebody that has at least $10 million in assets. Now, I see some people in here that have those kind of resources, but I'm not one of them. <laughs> um, but they did a study, and they went back, and they looked at traits. Now, these are decamillionaires that wasn't because it was inherited, but these are self-made, first-generation decamillionaires. And they went back, and they looked at 38 traits that they traced back to their lifestyle, what was it that, that these, what traits did they have in common? You know, the funny thing, well, education was not one of the top traits. Their GPA score wasn't one of their top traits. You know what the number one trait was? Integrity. Integrity. Responsibility. Integrity. I think one of the greatest desires that we have as parents is to see our children be responsible with what we've given them. Has there anybody in here ever given your, something, given your child something that you thought was valuable, that you thought was important, that cost you something? It may, be, it may be have even uh, cost you a little bit more than what you wanted to give, but you gave it to your child because you loved them. Hang with me. You gave it to them because you loved them. Only to find that resource, whatever it was, to be dismantled, destroyed, <laughs> put off someplace. I mean, has anybody ever done that as a parent? You're like going, what in the world have you done? Don't you realize what I gave you? And then you just like, you just took it like it didn't cost anything. I mean, they just wasted the resource. I mean, it's, isn't that your desire as a parent to be able to give your child something and for them to be able to be a wise steward of that resource? I think all of us want to do that. And we say, I, I just can't believe what you did. But how in the world as a child do they even maybe understand the value of what you did for them? Or the value of what you gave them? They may not understand the love that you had in your heart, and that was why you gave it. But here they, was, they just wasted what you had what you'd given them. There are dawned on you that our Heavenly Father loves us so much that He just wants to pour resources out on us. And sometimes He looks down and He, he just says, what are you doing? 
Why are you abusing that resource that I gave? Don't you understand that I gave you the talent, the ability? Don't you understand that I put you in that position? Don't you understand that I've, I've given you these resources, yet I look down and I see that you're wasting them? It never dawned on you that God so much desires to see us to be wise steward of the resources that he entrusts us with. If we're not faithful in the small things, if we're not faithful in the little things, the stuff that is temporary, how in the world can be, we be trusted with something that is eternal? Sort of sounds like a test, doesn't it? God gives us a little bit, then he just watches us to see what we'll do with it. Just to see if we're going to be a wise steward of that resource. I mean, you've done that before as a parent. You've given your children something just to see if they will be wise with that resource. And then if they're wise with that resource, then you may bless them with just a little bit more. We've done that. I'm doing that right now with, with one of my kids in reference to, a, to something that's very valuable. And I did it to sort of move him along and, and teach him more about God's resources and using those resources wisely. And here we are, God's just seeing, I mean, are you going to be faithful with what I've what I've, what I've given you, are you going to be trustworthy? Um, if you saw the movie Courageous, there was the Snake King. You might remember the Snake King if you saw? Yeah. <clears throat> My kids love to watch that. Um, you know, he, he didn't have a job. And he and his family would get together and they'd pray. And they would, they would talk about, um, you know, God, I just know you're going you're gonna to bless us. And there came a point in time where some, some events took place, and he ended up in a, in a factory. And in that factory situation, uh, because he was a hard worker, because he, he did his job, he had an opportunity to move up in the company. And so the boss calls him into the office, and he, he offers him a position, but there was some things that he had to do. The business owner was going to ask him to do something that was dishonest. Watch this. Watch this video clip just for a second. Good morning, sir. Morning, Mr. Martinez. How are you this morning? Fine, thank you. How are you? I don't know you. Please, have a seat. I trust you've had time to think about our conversation yesterday. Yes, sir, I did. And what did you decide? Are you on my team? Mr. Tyson, I am very grateful to have a job here. I cannot do as you have asked. And why is that? Because it is wrong, sir. It would be dishonoring to my God and my family to lie on that report. Do you understand what this may do to your job here? Yes, sir, I do. Javier, may I shake your hand? Young man, you just gave me the right answer. I've been looking for someone to manage inventory and shipping, and quite frankly, you were the last person on my list. But I need somebody I can trust. Will you take the job? We'll adjust your pay. We'd be honored to, sir. Good. Then the job is yours. Now, Walter will go over all the specifics with you, and I'll make the announcement to the staff on Monday. Congratulations, Hi. Oh, and I'll be here. Thanks for your integrity. 
It's rare. Well done, Javier. After six times, I was getting discouraged. I don't know about you, but if I'm a business owner, isn't that who you want to be hiring? That's who you want on your staff, isn't it? You want somebody like that. And you know what? The funny thing about the world on the outside, that's what they're looking for, those of us that call ourselves believers. But so many times, those of us that are believers don't carry that type of integrity. I think God inspects us to be men and women of integrity. I think he, he wants us to be trustworthy with the resources that he's, that he's given us. All of us have stuff. Some of us have more stuff than others, but regardless of what we, add, what we have here on this earth, it's only temporary. But listen to this statement. We can think what we have is ours, but really it isn't. The issue isn't how much we have, but what we do with it. And this is what I think God is saying to us today. I think this is what he's saying. What I'm looking for, people, I'm, what I'm looking for, those of you that call yourselves believers, is people who are trustworthy, people who are faithful with the resources, that I've given and how we manage the resources this is the promise how we manage the resources that God has given us that are temporary dictates dictates how God will honor us in the world to come that's eternal that's not something that I said I didn't just sort of come up with that it sounds pretty good but that's the truth see how we choose to utilize the resources that God has blessed us with in fact and that that he gave us how we choose to utilize those resources will dictate how our Heavenly Father will reward us in heaven one day. See, we can go to church. You can give. You can be involved in a small group. You can be active in all kinds of good things. You could have been down there Tuesday greeting people and just smiling and doing the religious thing. But Jesus said, listen, I will know the condition of your heart by how you use the resources that I've given you. I was reading another stat, and it said this, and this is pretty sad. Professing believers back in the Great Depression, percentage-wise, their giving was higher during the Depression than it is today. Those professing believers that lived during the Great Depression, their percentage of giving is higher than those of us that are professing Christians today. It went on to say that, that believers today will invest more money in pet care, taking care of your pets, or in health care than we will in building God's kingdom. That's a sad statement, isn't it? But that's the truth and the reality of where things are. Um, Jesus just lays it on the line here in verse 13. Look at what he says. He says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And how we handle the resources that God has blessed us with indicates who or what we serve. How we utilize the resources is almost like a brand. It's like a trademark. Uh, some of you guys are, are cowboys, and you know that, Mr. Charlie, one of the ways that for, the, for many years that they, have, that they have determined ownership on the cattle ranch was through a brand. You know, cattle owners would have a, have a brand, and they would brand their animals, and that brand, out in the middle, people would know exactly whose they were by, by the brand that they wore. Now, see, when we start thinking about branding as Christians, we think about wearing a gold necklace around our neck with a little cross on it, Tom. Or we'll go out and we'll buy ourselves a, 
a Christian T-shirt, or we'll show up for Chick-fil-A when, when, uh, when you know, they're, they're having a problem. We'll go buy a, a sandwich. That's a good thing, though, right, Steve? Yeah, so. You know, I'm always amazed, and I sat there the other day, and I ain't said an awful lot about this, but I wonder, I just wonder if all those people that bought a Chick-fil-A sandwich that day, and I'm not against that, I'm for that. I just wonder what would happen in our world today if those of us that called ourselves Christians and bought a Chick-fil-A sandwich would be willing to stand up and live for the Lord 100% of the time, what our lives would be like. If we'd be in that type of situation. But we'll jump on a bandwagon, or we'll join a tea party, or we'll tell everybody how we feel, but when push comes to shove, we don't ever show up. That's a problem. But anyway, branding. We'll wear a t-shirt, we'll wear some jewelry, we'll throw it around our neck. And uh, that's what we call in reference to branding. But Jesus said, no, no, no. He said, listen, the expenditures of the resources that I've given you says who you are. Better yet, whose you are. And some people will say, well, well, I don't serve my money. I just like it. I just like money. But the question is this, when you get down to making financial decisions, how do you make those decisions? When you're at the point of having to, to write out a check or you're making a debit, how, what is it that goes through your mind when you're, when you're doing that? What's, in the, what's, what's the rationalization for the purchase? I mean, do you ever ask the question, who is it that benefits from this purchase? Who is it that benefits from this expenditure of asset? I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and... and uh, they were, they were looking at, at one point in time, and building a new house. They, uh, they live in Orlando. And after we had come back from Nicaragua last year, we were talking. Um, he looked at me midway through, and he goes, what am I doing? I said, what? He goes, what in the world am I doing trying to build a new house? Why is that even on my mind? He said, I love the house that I'm in. Why in the world would I go build something else that's bigger and better when I don't need it? He goes, I ain't doing it. I said, well, man, listen, I didn't mean to blow your plans, and please don't tell your wife that I'm responsible for that. <laughs> he goes, no. He said, you know what? We've been talking about this for a while. And he says, it's just not a wise use of God's resources. I was talking with another friend the other day, and, and this was his comment. He was getting ready to make this real big business deal, and there were some things that came through, and, and he was looking at uh, it purchasing or acquiring another business. And he looked at me over lunch, and he said this. He said, man, this is a no-brainer. He said, I'm walking into a business. He said, it's fixing to make a lot of money. And I looked at him, and I said, but what's the hesitation? He goes, how would you know there was a hesitation? He goes, I can just sense it. Or I said, I can just sense it. He goes, I just don't have peace about it. I said, whoa. I said, ma'am, what are you going to do? He says, would you pray with me? And so we texted back and forth over the next couple of days, and honestly and truthfully, I just forgot about it. And uh, he told me last week when I saw him, he said, hey, man, I just want to let you know. He said, I didn't, I didn't do that deal. I said, you didn't? He goes, no. I said, why? He said, I just couldn't get a piece. He said, I felt it was all, all about me and nothing about Jesus. And I thought, wow. How many of us would jumped on that deal and done it, regardless if we felt God was in it or not? How many times do we never, ever consider God's plan? We're always looking at, at, our, at our plan. Um, have you ever had wisdom take a back seat to wants and desires? 
How many of us have stuff that are on our shelves that are collecting dust that, it, dust that at one time you just had to have and you've only used it one time? Anybody want to raise their hand? It's in the garage. It's out, in the, it's out up underneath the barn. Something that you've got that you bought at that moment in time, you just had to have it because somebody convinced you that it was the right thing to have, but you knew you didn't need it when you bought it. But you did it, and the reason that you bought it was because you wanted it. It wasn't the fact it was a wise use of resources. You just had to have it, and now it's there. See, we can say we serve God, but what is it that takes a majority of our resources, our time, and our energy? How we manage our stuff is trademark. It's a brand. It shows who we really are. What would it be like if we were to view the resources that God had given us from His perspective? Would it change anything? What if the positions that we had in the workplace just, just wasn't about making a living, Gail? Linda, what if God placed you where He placed you, not just to go draw a paycheck? You know, Jim, same thing for you or Mike or any of us that are in this room. What happens if we saw that our, our, our love for a specific sport wasn't just about wins and losses? But what if we were to see the resources that God had given us as an opportunity to be sought and light in the places that He had placed us? Educators, you know, we're talking about educators. What happens if, if the educator, the teacher, the administrator, the person that was in the classroom, what happens if they understood that, the, that their role was more than just math and English? What if they, they would understand that they had a, a, a higher calling in life as a follower of Christ? What if we looked at, at the position from God's perspective? What happens if we went and we looked from the expenditures from a temporary perspective and we moved it over to the eternal? And we looked at making an investment that would last a lifetime. Look at Luke chapter 16, verse 14, and see what's said here. Luke has some very interesting words. He goes on to say, the Pharisees, and, and listen at how Luke describes the Pharisees. It's very interesting. Who dearly loved their money, heard all of this and scoffed at him. If somebody were to describe you, how would they describe you? Luke comes, Luke comes back and he says, hey, he said, the Pharisees, by the way, the guys who really love their money. And then Jesus pipes up and he says this, you like to appear, talking about the Pharisees, you, you like to appear righteous in public. But God, listen, God knows your hearts. And what this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. The promotions, uh, all those things that, that the world may tend to value, the publicity, being in the newspaper, driving whatever it may be, living wherever it may be, See, it's testable in the sight of God. Have you ever had somebody say something to you that deep down you knew was, was truth, but you wanted to, you, you tried to ignore it? I mean, you just tried to sort of slide. They spoke truth to you, but you didn't want to hear it. You just sort of went, you tried to ignore it. You tried to blow them off. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He spoke truth, and what he did is he uncovered their true allegiance. See, the Pharisees, or those who were the separated ones, meaning from the common people, they had the responsibility of not only teaching the law, but, but, uh, but holding on to it, interpreting the law. And they had set themselves apart, and they were set apart by their knowledge, but there was no application. So here they were, they had put themselves in this leadership position. They knew everything there was to know, but there was no application. See, the, the, the people here, the common people, they could see it, but they wouldn't speak against it. Jesus spoke to it, he spoke truth, and he says, I know exactly where your heart is. 
So you can stand up here and sing on a Sunday morning, or you can sit right here and you can preach, or you can play the guitar and you can do just a wonderful job, and people can applaud you and say, man, that's such a great job. But Jesus shot right through the point. He said, I know your heart. I know your heart. And I know what you're really, really about. He uncovered the true allegiance. What Jesus had to say made them uncomfortable. And there's probably, you listening today, some of you may be uncomfortable because all of a sudden you realize, man, where your heart is really at. Um, but listen, what happens if we were to throw away and tro- totally be truly honest and authentic? What happens if we were just to go, I struggle with that. That's me. I mean, I struggle with having that over here. I struggle with using my talents and abilities for the Lord. I struggle with what happens if we were just to be honest and say, God, forgive me because, I, because I'm, I'm a sinner. What happens if we were just to throw it out and, and, and understand that God may be speaking to us today to say, you know, how do I utilize my resources? God, I need your help because this is really an issue that I deal with on a daily basis. What happens if we were to, to get real and acknowledge our materialism in pursuit of worldly pleasures instead of of looking to God? What if we were to look at things through his eyes? What if it wasn't about bigger, better, faster, stronger? What happens if? They did a study several years ago um, with college students. Um, and what they did in this study is they basically asked them two questions. Two questions. Number one, how happy are you? Number two, How many dates have you had in the past month? They found out that there was no correlation, that no dates in the past month had no impact on their their, uh, condition or their place of happiness. But what they did is they switched those questions. They asked them, first of all, how many dates have you had in the past month? Then they asked them, well, how happy are you? And they found out that there was a deep correlation between the number of dates they'd had in the past month and their, and their happiness. They found out that just changing those questions just a little bit sabotaged their form of happiness. And psychologists call it focusing illusion. Focusing illusion. What's your focus? What's your financial focus? Are you focused on what you have or what you don't have? See, it's the difference between greed and gratitude. Are you focused on temporary or eternal? Because it's the difference between hoarding, holding on to, or generosity. Are you focused on your wants and your needs, or are you focused on the wants and needs of others around you? Because it's the difference between selfishness and compassion. That's a struggle for all of us, guys. I can see it. In everybody else's lives, a whole lot better than I can see it in my life, right? I can see it in the lives of my kids. We're coming out the other day, and there were three people that you could tell were in need. And they were sitting on a porch of a house in downtown Leesburg. And as we were driving by, my compassionate children say, Daddy, those people need something to eat. Well, I've got to make my mind up. What am I going to now do? Okay, well, you know, they can fend for themselves. Every once in a while, I'll take this as a, as a learning opportunity because they've learned to know what we'll do. So I said, what do you guys think we should do? And uh, they said, I think we need to go get them something to eat because they know we won't just give people money. That's sort of a deal that we do. We don't give them money, we'll get them something to eat. So I said, well, okay, who's going to pay for this? 
and they're looking at each other. <laughs> so I said, okay. So we go, we go to McDonald's. It was the closest place that we could get to. We go to McDonald's, and uh, I, I, I buy three value meals. And I, and I told the lady, I said, listen, I don't want the small ones. I want the biggest value meal that you've got. So we go back, and we drive back to the place where these, these people were sitting. I was praying, dear Lord, I hope that they're there when we get back, because I don't want to eat all these value meals. <laughs> and uh, I did grab a fry, though, by the way. So anyway, so we got back, and I said, okay. So they were talking in the car. Well, who's going to carry this bag, and who's going to carry this bag, and who was going to carry the drinks? And so they all got out, and they walked up on the porch, and they were really, t and you could tell that they smelled, and you could tell that they were in really, really difficult positions. Um, and, and, I, and I watched as they began, and, and the people that were sitting there, you could just tell they were overwhelmed. And I, can, I had rolled the window down so I could hear the conversation. I pulled really up, really far up close. And, uh, and I'd asked Caleb, I said, Caleb, when, when you give them the meal, I said, would you, pray, would you pray with them? And I'll sit in the car and I'll, I'll, I'll stay here. And so very timidly after he gave it to them, Caleb said, can, can we pray for you? And, and they did, and, and, and one of them was like going, I don't know if I want to hold hands or not. And then as soon as they got through holding hands, I noticed one of the girls go, just to see if she smelled. <laughs> but they got back in the car, you know, and, and uh, when, we're, when we spend so much time focusing on ourselves, there is no compassion. But how do you think we should live as God's people? I mean, do you ever... I mean, you see the guy standing there with a the sign all the time, right? I'm not telling you you have to stop and give the guy something that's standing at the sign, you know, standing on the corner with a sign. But when you see people, do you ever see people with compassion and utilize the gifts and talents that you have to be able to assist those? That's who we should be. When we begin to see as God sees, it changes things. It changes our focus. And if we see as God sees, we'll have enough. If we focus on the needs of others, if we're focusing on our needs, we'll never have enough. If you focus on what's here and now, we'll hang on to everything that we have. But if we focus on eternity, we'll give away everything that we've got. What if we realized that the extra time or possessions that God had given us or blessed us with just wasn't because of our hard work and our effort, but that God had something better in mind? That God had a long-range plan and He wanted you to be able to see that because it's all about eternity. It's about extending His kingdom. What if as a teacher, a principal, an administrator, or whatever it may be, what if, what if we were just to leverage the time in the classroom, not just to, to draw a paycheck, but to live out a legacy of faith? What if as a business owner that you saw that as your place of ministry? What as a parent, if we were to see the home as a place of ministry and leverage the resources? What if as a parent we saw our teacher that our child was up underneath as a resource and that our responsibility is to be supportive, but most of the time the only meetings that our teachers have these days with parents is when there's something wrong and you're there to bless them out. I don't want to ever hear that from any of our people. What happens if you were to take this week and just write a note to say, I just want you to know that as a parent, I'm so thankful that my child has you, and I'm writing you this note to tell you I'm going to pray for you as God brings you to my attention over this next year? What happens if you had an opportunity when to encourage that you use the gifts and talents to encourage, to leverage those resources for eternity? There was a story of a preacher, and I finished with this. 
he would go around from place to place. He was an itinerant preacher in Europe, and he would uh, he would go and he would have revivals, um, and they would just invite people. It would maybe in a building, it maybe in a tent. People would come, and they would usually last a week or two, and they would meet every night, and people would gather, and and uh, they would be a part of that revival event. They would talk about Jesus every day, and and one time he went to this little community, and as they he talked about Jesus every day, and he met with the people. And, and that over that two-week period, there was only one little girl that walked forward to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to trust Jesus. And as that pastor looked back, that preacher looked back uh, down the line after the event, he, he sort of had the feeling in his, in his heart that, did I waste my time? I mean, have you ever done something, you ever given something to look back and go, that was just a waste of my energy because it was only one. I mean, it, well, I could have used it and I would have gotten a whole lot more of it over here. And so the pastor was, was sort of thinking about that one day. But what he didn't know was that one little girl would grow up. And that one little girl would, would grow up to love Jesus. And she would marry another man. She would marry a man who, who loved Jesus. And they would have children. And they would have sons. And those sons would all come to love Jesus. And as a result, um, they all felt called into ministry. And those young men would lead thousands of people to Christ. Just because of an itinerant pastor. Yet he never knew the impact. Can you imagine the impact if we as God's people were to use the resources that God has given us and how it would influence the generations to come? See, it's not about how much we have, but it's how are we using those resources that makes the difference. And so my question for you today is this. How are you using the resources that God has given you with an eternal perspective in mind? Talking about eternity, there's only one way to heaven. And that's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And Mike, I don't care how much you give. I don't care how many times you're in church. I don't care what kind of activities you may be involved with. Baby, there's no entrance into heaven except through Jesus Christ because he's the one that paved the way. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, my question is why? What is it that keeps you from making that decision that is the most important decision that you'll ever make. We find in John, John 3.16 these words, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is what I know. God loved us. And because of His love, He did one thing that only He could do, and that was He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. See, God's already lived up to His his arena. But this is also what I know, that we have a responsibility. And that if we desire to go to heaven, it's not about what we do, but it's about what Jesus did, and it's about believing. It's about placing our faith in Christ. And the Bible says that if we will place our faith in Christ, and we will trust Him, that eternity is ours. So if you've never made that decision today to want to trust Christ and follow Him, why wouldn't you make that decision today? You know, I'll be up here afterwards, and if you want to talk about that, I'd love to talk to you about that. <coughs> Secondly, if you're a believer here, act like it. Act like it. See, people, we may look at you and I go, well, Adam, man, she's a great girl. You know, she's a Jesus lover. God sees right through all that foolishness to see exactly where we are. He sees down to the uttermost parts of our bodies. What Jesus said is we'll know whose we are by how we 
utilize the resources that he's given us. So just from a worldly perspective, whose are you if I'm looking at you? See, we can always tell whose you are. Look at your calendar, look at your checkbook, and it won't take long to find out who's in first place. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day today. It's been a good time. <clears throat> Your word, man, it just it, it moves us. I'm convicted every time I spend time, Lord, in your word because I just realize how sinful I am. And there, there are those of us here today that, that we, we talk about resources and finances and, and they're just so encouraged because, God, they're giving everything that they can. They're doing everything they can to extend the gospel. But then there may be some of us here today that as we look and as we examine and evaluate, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and just says, well, what are you doing? May we not ignore, but Father, may we just admit to you our sin. And may we humbly come before you and, and, and Father, ask for forgiveness. It's not, about our, it's not about what we have, but it's what we're doing and what we have. And what we learn today is how can how can how can you be given more if you've not been faithful in the small things? So, Father, may we as individuals be faithful in the small things. Father, help us to be faithful in the small things as a church. Enlarge our territories. And, Father, again, what we do today is we pray for our schools. We pray for the places of influence on the ball fields where our students are. Father, would you give us greater influence there so that we can reach more people for Christ? Give us influence in the, in the workplace as we use your resources for kingdom expansion. For those of us that are here that may not know Christ, but are just are exploring, Father, I pray that they may come to me after this service and say, I, I just, I want to know more. I don't understand it all, but I want to follow Jesus. I've got that tugging in my heart. Our hope doesn't come to what we've got in our back pocket, but our hope comes through faith in Christ who demonstrated his love that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Thank you for this day, Father. May you encourage us. And may we go out and may we walk out of this building today excited to be able to live for you, to live out a legacy of faith. That's what I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.